Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Welcome, everyone, to the PAT, or Pod After Touchdown, Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Mackins, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Hoppen. How are you uh, this episode, Sam? I'm doing great. Uh, a little tired, a little drained out from some traveling I've been doing the past couple days, but uh, excited to be back and recording our Running Backs episode today. Where were you at uh, last weekend? So, Christina and I took... Uh, Trip out to Denver, the great state of Colorado, nice. did a little bit of hiking, visited, I believe our count was 10 breweries in the four days awesome. that we were there. Um, they have a shit ton of patios out there. Like the patio per capita ratio in Denver <laughs> is, well, I was going to say it's through the roof, but patios don't really have roofs. So you could it is, say it's it is mile exponential. High. It is, that's <laughs> well done. It is mile high. Uh, I went for a run out by Mile High Stadium to see if Joe Flacco or Philip Lindsay or anyone was just sort of balls chilling around out there. Unfortunately not. They do have like, you know how you see that sort of like workout equipment along the path here? Yeah, yeah. Like bars Chicago, and stuff yeah. like that. They have a bunch of that stuff like all around the stadium. For hardcore parkour, yeah, obviously. For whatever reason. Um. Did you partake in any herbal cigarettes by chance? <laughs> no, we did not. Um, okay. I think we we're about 10 minutes into our trip and could already get a big whiff of some Mary JJ. So uh, it is certainly <laughs> prominent in that part of the country. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, kids, uh, Garner, this is the part where you put in the, the drop. Stay off the weed. All right, well, uh, now that we've got that <laughs> PSA out of the way, um, we're going to dive into running backs this episode. Uh, appreciate uh, your story about your trip. Yeah. I'm glad you're refreshed. I'm glad refreshed as well. I had a few brews before <laughs> writing our notes for this episode, so I'm feeling good about what. I have to say about the running backs, we're going to go through, you know, the strategy as we usually do, what we think about from a macro standpoint, and then dive into target, avoid, and people we don't know what to think of yet. So I'll let you start before we get into the running backs with our kickoff question. And this game is underway. So this is something that I think we both saw on Twitter a couple weeks ago. And I thought it was pretty thought-provoking. And the question is, if you could dole out five championships to teams that you're a fan of over the course of the rest of your life, how would you split them up? Yeah, so I, I remember tweeting this out a while back now. And at the time, I know I put, uh, what did I put? Three for the Green Bay Packers because I think they require that many to maintain kind of their history and their legacy. Yeah. And then I picked one for Wisconsin Badgers, either football or uh, basketball, because that's our alma mater, and we haven't seen one yet in our lifetime. Uh, And then the last one I put for the Tennessee Titans, which was my childhood 
favorite football yeah. team. For those um, of you who don't know, which I'm assuming is most of this audience, Andrew has a very weird background as far as his pro football team allegiances <laughs> and his guilt in growing up in Green Bay, having to root for the Packers, but also wanting to differentiate himself and be a Titans fan. Yeah, so when I was like a kid, you know, I think all of us might have played backyard football one time or another. So Great game. Um, backyard football 2000, Javon Kurse was like the guy. He could <laughs> sack the quarterback and he could run with the ball. So I really liked him from that. And then I decided from there, like, I'm going to be a Titans fan. Without even knowing that they lost the Super Bowl the year before. <laughs> I found that out like years later. Um, Such a shame. So more or less, obviously, on the bandwagon. And then uh, it's been pretty much meh ever since. Uh, it's been it's been fun to follow them and actually like feel some sort of uh, allegiance to the team. But now I'm definitely feeling that green and gold guilt. So uh, <laughs> uh, well, we're we're welcome to have have you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that feel, the feeling of uh, being welcomed back <laughs> in, into Green Bay's arms. Uh, so yeah, that's why I put the Titans on there. But I know you put something a little bit different in the for your response. Yeah, so I've got. One for the Packers. I Again, I, I would like to see that one actually in the next couple of years while Rodgers is still the yeah. quarterback. I, it's just such a shame that he hasn't won a second one. Mm-hmm. And I've got one each for Badger football and Badger basketball. So I'm a better Badger fan than you because I want sure. one equally in both sports. I think tasting it so close against Duke back when we were seniors was... Heartbreaking, but it was a fun journey that I like to be with. And then with my last two, they got to be fantasy football championships, of course, <laughs> for myself, because this is a fantasy football podcast. That's how you get all the glory. You can't brag to other people about the Packers fans if all of your friends are Packers fans. It's just not nearly as fun. So I'm taking my last two as fantasy championships. Yeah, so I had never even thought of that until you mentioned it to me. And then I was like, well, if that's the case, I'm throwing all allegiances out the window. I got to look out for number one, and I'm going to take all five for myself. Because <laughs> five fantasy championships within the rest of my lifetime, and I've got like X number of leagues to do it. Like, I better get at least five. <laughs> Otherwise, why are we putting a podcast together? Because <laughs> um, we're, we're trying to help you guys win championships too. So definitely uh, would want at least uh, a few more <laughs> fantasy championships in there. Um, but I, I appreciate that perspective as well because you know we're we're fans and we can be competitive, but at least we have some sense of control in our own own teams and get more pride and feel more glory if we win ourselves a championship. Oh yeah. So now let's pivot into the running back. So we're just going to start with our overview, and just to clarify, for the most part, you know, whenever we're talking about players on PATFF PAT Fantasy Football, we are looking at these players through a half PPR lens. So that keeps it more balanced throughout. Um, We can provide standard and whole PPR opinions on a case-by-case basis. But, you know, the first question I know Sam proposed is, would either of us consider a zero running back strategy? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I think, you know, you know I am a big fan of best player available, so I won't... I won't certainly go into my draft saying, okay, I'm going to go with a zero RB strategy. Mm-hmm. But if I end up with three receivers and a tight end in my first four rounds, 
I'm happy to, you know, I'm fine going with zero RB because I think there are a couple of guys that are good later on picks. I mean, Lamar Miller, guys like those that are decent zero RB players, but you just got to know who some of those targets are going into your draft because mm-hmm. yeah. if you do face that situation, you don't, I mean, it, and we'll talk about him a little bit, but you know, you don't want to be going and getting Daryl Henderson with your first pick because he's currently a backup. Right. And he just, you know, Lamar Miller, again, I'm going to keep using him because he's not a sexy option, but you can get him in the fifth, sixth round, and he's still a starting running back on a pretty good offense. Right. So I think him, him and a couple other guys are the, the players you want to go for if you end up doing the zero RB strategy. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I'll give a shout out to the Fantasyland podcast. They don't have a ton of regular content published on there, but they have one episode that's focused on zero running back strategy. And it really convinced me of how a zero running back strategy is viable. Uh, obviously, that will vary on a year-to-year basis of how important running backs are. And you know, generally, we're going to go through how some you know top running backs are obviously yeah. super important because there's only so many that are as good as the top guys but of course if you know that you're like in the middle of the draft oh shit i'm doing a zero rb now yeah you have to know who you're going to target because you have a lot of ground to cover at that position after you you kind of dig your hole a little bit yeah i was reading an article on one of the planes back this weekend actually and there was a stat that said so you got a 12 team league and the odds to win a championship is eight percent because that's just one out of 12 12. possibility players who are league owners whatever you call them who use zero rb won their championships 14 percent of the time so that's obviously a higher mark than eight percent so i think again it's i don't think it's one of those things that you want to go into your draft saying hey i'm gonna do this specific positional strategy of not taking any running backs but mm-hmm. if you end up that way it's certainly you can certainly win that way definitely now something to think about if you do choose a zero running back strategy is the idea of you know betting on a backfield and putting mm-hmm. multiple stock or pieces of stock into one backfield in order to ensure you're going to get the best producer of that team uh, just because we don't necessarily know yet who the bell cow for every team is. Right. Obviously, if you get a Kamara, Barkley, Elliott, uh, McCaffrey, like you know that's going to be Those your guy. Guys, He's yeah. going to be getting you a lot of production. But if you're going zero RB and you and you miss on those guys or other top or early round running backs, you might start thinking of okay, I've got to get more like six plus five, at least five running backs on your roster, and then potentially you know betting on a backfield more than just like a variety of guys i mean is that is that something you want to do do you want to be whether it's zero rb or not do you want to be investing multiple picks into one backfield because i mean there are multiple schools of thought with that in you know again you're for the most part going to be locking up a a backfield whether you get yeah because you got a 50 50 hit rate or you could have the Ravens situation from last year where Gus Edwards comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and isn't even drafted. So if you invested 
two of your picks into Alex Collins and say Kenneth Dixon, you're sort of screwed there. So are, is that something you're even considering doing? And in fewer words, that's the question, right? Like that that's what we want to get to. So we have a couple pairs here listed of like, that we can just go down the line, yes or no. And I think in the right situation, I would. And, and part of that is just based on what I know about that backfield combined with how much am I going to have to invest to lock that up and where I, in scenarios where I might be passing up on other players that I think are like good bets just on their own. Sure. And so the first one we've got listed here, we're kind of doing this in order of average draft position, like the, the most you'd have to invest. You've got Todd Gurley has the arthritic knee issues and his backup that if you, you mentioned, Sam. <laughs> uh, Daryl Henderson, who's a rookie, might take over a lot of work. But right now you're going to be using, uh, you know, potentially a first round pick and a seventh round pick or what I've seen more recently is like a second round pick on Gurley and then put even like a sixth round pick yeah. at, at its highest value, a fifth round pick on Daryl Henderson. So I put a big no in our, in our yeah, notes that I, I wouldn't invest that much in any one backfield. Henderson's value at this point I think is a bit too rich for my blood and maybe that calms down a little bit over the next couple of weeks as we head into training camp maybe it it comes out that he's not actually the backup to Todd Gurley like everyone it's expects him to be and and Malcolm Brown is so that could certainly change things I don't I don't think let's say you know tomorrow Sean McVay comes out and says well Malcolm Brown is the backup. Henderson is the third string guy. He's a third down player. He's not going to come out. I don't think Malcolm Brown shoots up to seventh round ADP. I think he's maybe in the ninth or tenth round, like a sort of normal handcuff to Gurley. But I don't think people are going out there, ex- you know, excited to get Malcolm Brown as a handcuff. Yeah, you know, uh, we got a lot of good players on this team, and a lot of them are going to contribute. And, uh, we can think that Malcolm Brown can contribute just as much as uh, Daryl Henderson. That was my <laughs> shitty uh, Sean McVay impression. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you added the shitty in front of that. So, uh, again, I, I think we're both sort of on the same page that we're not a huge fan of grabbing them as a backfield. What about Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon? You're, you're currently using a sixth and, and an eighth round pick for both of those guys, respectfully. How do you feel about the 49ers backfield? So I, like you, am very high on Coleman, so I'm definitely in on him at a six-round valuation. Uh, we're going to talk more about that later. And I would not go for McKinnon. Maybe it's like a post-hype sleeper situation where, like, well, he was injured all last year, so I don't want to even worry about how fragile he is. But just on the other hand, like, I, <laughs> it's funny because I would rather take Brita because, partly because I had him last year and I know he can produce. But... He's just as, if not more, injury-prone than Jarek McKinnon, where I, I have affectionately named him Breed of the Broken. So he, he's <laughs> kind of my guy uh, in that regard because I can go down. I, 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 like You can get Breida in much later rounds than McKinnon. Right. And so I would, if I'm going to take 66% of the San Francisco backfield or 50% if you count Raheem Mostert, um, I'm definitely going to go with the guy, like obviously Coleman is like the guy I believe in the most. Yeah. So invest the top value in him and then use the least value on Brita. So I, I don't know how you feel that, about that yeah, in comparison, I, but. That's a great, 
great way to put it. I mean, I, I just sort of put McKinnon in there because they're the two highest guys. But I think, again, if if Brita does play as well as he did last year and maybe stays somewhat healthy, then Coleman and Brita is the way to go. All right, so now we want to go on to the Tampa Bay backfield. Uh, we've got two guys that are ranked very close here, and it's Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. And it, it, as I'm thinking about this right now, I would say, you know, if they're valued at that 10th and 11th round average draft position, I, even if, like, I've seen them at 8th and 9th to, as well, or maybe 8th and 10th, like, you can wait longer on Barber as of now because everyone thinks yeah. Ronald Jones is going to break out. I would use, like, especially if you're in a wraparound situation, just both picks, lock up that backfield. You've already got, you know, seven other players on your team. I think you can lock up that backfield with Bruce Arians coming in and uh, being able to utilize whichever running back shows that they can produce more. Um, It's probably best to get both of them than just bank on one. Yeah. As of today. Yeah, it's interesting because, again, you mentioned you you might already have seven or eight guys on your roster. If it was... And again, this is a hypothetical situation. If it's like a fifth and a sixth round pick that you're using back-to-back on one backfield, I'm not as excited about that because, again, you don't have as much of your roster flushed out. You you don't have the gap in between picks to sort of form a roster. And maybe, you know, let's use the Gurley and Henderson example again. If, If you take Gurley in the first and then, say, four wide receivers you're probably not going to want to take Henderson in the sixth because then again, you've only got one running back spot in your first five picks. Ideally, you could get two. Again, you could take someone like Lamar Miller and you've got two guys that if they're staying healthy, then you're getting some pretty decent guys as running backs. I I don't particularly subscribe to, you know, as we're talking through this whole conversation, don't particularly prescribe to the handcuff option. I'd rather have as many running backs on as many different teams as I can. But again, some of these later round guys, I think like Coleman and, and Brita, for example, that's where, again, if, if it, there's a little bit of uncertainty in who could actually be the starter or get more touches throughout the season, that's when you want to invest more picks into a backfield. And so just just to be sure that I got this clear, like Jones and Barber, you're saying too far or too close together. No, so I, I think where they are at the 10th and 11th or 9th and 11th or something like that, because it's so late, you've got so much of your roster flushed out. Because these are probably just flex guys yeah, at or fill in yeah. bench spots at this point. Again, if it was a fourth and a fifth round pick going into one backfield I would stay clear right right but if it's again because it's so late and there's so much variability in all those players anyway then what the hell go for it I would not be surprised if you know a month month and a half from now we see one of these guys if not both of them shoot up farther because of what we see in the preseason oh yeah so that's definitely something to monitor as well uh I have one last one that I want to highlight here, um, and then you can let me know if we have any others. But uh, Carlos Hyde and Darwin Thompson, they're both backing up, uh, assumedly, Damian Williams in Kansas City right now. Andy Reid in Kansas City, obviously, for, for those who are in the know, loves to 
focus on uh, giving a lot of work to one running back. It's been Jamal Charles. It's been Priest Holmes before that. It's been Kareem Hunt before he did some inappropriate things. (laughs) Uh, But we'll gloss over that. Now it could be Damian Williams, but the counter-argument against that is that Damian Williams could break down. So if he is going to break down or if they give him fewer touches, I want anyone in that backup spot where Damian Williams was before the Kareem Hunt suspension or getting cut from the Chiefs um, in order to you know kind of lock up that workload. Being on that high-powered offense I think is really valuable especially like a Darwin Thompson could be in the, in the final round of your draft. So that's my last one. I think we, we might have one more tandem we want to talk about. No, I think we're good. I mean, we've touched on a couple backfields. We can talk about a couple others in some later episodes this off season, but I think we should move into some of the players that we're targeting and avoiding. And I'll, I'll start off from the gun and talk about josh jacobs who i am targeting i am yeah i'm really intrigued by this what was that i'm really intrigued by this because the last time i looked at your rankings uh offline i was like okay is he still as high as you so i believe i have him running back 12 yeah okay my last running back one he's currently going in about the middle of the third round which i would be happy to get him at there i think if you look at the track record of running backs under Gruden, he's had a lot of guys be successful. He had Doug Martin, and he provided some value on a couple weeks. I think, you know, the draft capital that they invested in him last year, or excuse me, this past year, is worth something. I mean, they they told him, if you're available at 24, we're going to take you. And that's exactly what happened. They had a guy in mind, and they went and got him. When he was in college, he averaged over 12 yards a catch last season, and that's exactly what you want in any sort of PPR Mm -hmm. league. And again, we're talking about half PPR, so I think that's huge. I think having Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams will help Take the top off. Take the top off, you know, not have as many eight-man boxes as opposed to last year where they had literally zero weapons outside of Jared Cook for Carr to throw the ball to. And having better players on offense is never a bad thing, even though you might think he's going to take touches or touchdowns away. Those guys are moving the ball down the field regardless and gives Jacobs a, a chance to score more frequently than they he probably would have if he joined the team last year so i know you were you were asking like or i guess you're asking me like do i see jalen richard as a real threat to take significant touches away yeah i mean especially because he's a rookie I, i guess that's one threat to him and also just the raiders being a hot mess would be the other threat so you know, I wanted them to unleash Jalen Richard, but it, obviously they went out and got their guy, like you said. Yeah. So I, I don't really think it's not like it's going to be a 50 50 split or anything. No. But you're obviously you haven't ranked that high. You don't think anything of that. No, I again, he'll he'll come in eventually and take a couple catches away from him, maybe a couple rushes if it's completely out of hand. They're either super far ahead or more likely super far behind. But I don't. I see Jacobs as the clear-cut number one guy, someone who could be a top five pick next year in in drafts. And again, you're getting getting him in the third round. I think if you are potentially going 
pseudo zero RB and going two wide receivers to start, he would be a great guy to draft as your first running back. I tell you, man, this Josh Jacobs guy, he's a really versatile back. Maybe we'll see a little bit of him in hard knocks this season. I tell you That's what. My sh- shitty John Gruden impression. I tell you what, man, uh, he didn't have a ton of volume in college, but that means he's got fresh legs. We're going to pound and ground him all the way, make him a Gruden grinder, you know. I, I think I'm getting a little yipper accent uh, going all on. All right, we got two John Gruden shitty impressions <laughs> going on here. All right, I'm going to go to a guy that I want to target in that same range and this is i you know i saw a great tweet recently is like who are you what's a player you're 100 in on and you don't care if you're wrong about it at all and that guy for me is marlon mack i think that situation wise everything is in front of him to make an awesome impact it's i think it's less risky than a josh jacobs just because we know like where the offense is that he's gonna have a guaranteed workload is he it's though? The, it's the second year of Frank Reich's offense. I think he has guaranteed workload, especially on first and second down. I, I, I maybe I'm just biased because I have like this one memory of him having a receiving <laughs> touchdown, and so I know like he can catch the ball. I, I know like Naeem Hines is going to well, be yeah, like the no quote unquote third down. He can catch the ball. Well, I mean, I can catch a ball, but that doesn't mean he's going to get all of those touches. I mean, okay, yes, Frank Reich has gone out there and said that. He is the feature back. He is the guy. But I thought he his, said he's like the like the bell cow too. Yeah, it, but I don't think that necessarily means that he's going to be the passing down weapon. I think that's what they have Naeem Hines for. I think by bell cow and feature back, that means he's going to get the bulk of the carries. He's going to get 80% of the carries and will throughout the games when they have these positive game scripts. But... I think there are other weapons. They have a healthy Jack Doyle. They have Paris Gamble now. They have Devin Funches, who all of these guys are going to take away potential touches, potential red zone targets or opportunities even. I just, it, it's one of those things where, yes, he's he's a good player on a good offense, which is ideally what you're looking for. I personally think, again, there are a lot of people in the industry who are high on Marlon Mack this year, and similar to Josh Jacobs for me, would be fine with having him as their first RB or, you know, in the first couple rounds. I just, I think it's getting a little bit too far out of hand as far as the hype for Marlon Mack. Yeah, I mean, from the mock drafts I've done so far, I don't really feel great about taking him in the second round. Um, well, that's where you're going to have to take him. If it, uh, unless... I mean, I've gotten him in like the third round of certain drafts, and that's with like keepers put in on a sleeper app. Uh, this isn't a curse on the sleeper app. I uh, hope you guys are appreciating the thunder and lightning, the lightning and the thunder, the thunder um, the on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I just think that, you know, they're on pro football focus. I saw they were a top rated, the offensive line was in the top five rated yes. offensive lines last year. So, you know... Like first and second down, I think they can keep a balanced attack. I know you have a note here that like the they've got some tougher games, so they might be throwing it around more. And that's a that is a good point that makes me kind of like frown a little bit that you mentioned there are all these other passing options, right? And so I don't like a lot of the passing options on Indy because they're gonna spread the ball around so much. Right. But I'm kind of ignoring how that would affect the running game because I just know, like, oh, the running game is... I'm, like, separating it in my separate. mind. But really, it's like, 
okay, maybe they'll actually pass more than they would, or or like Marlon Mack isn't going to get the targets that you would expect because they have so many different tools and players that they can use. Yeah, the, the players aren't tools, just different weapons on the offense. Just right. That. <laughs> so but I, I, you know, I think this is a guy that I really like, but uh, there are reasons to have like the buyer beware. So depending on where you are in the third round, you might want to. Um, if it's if it's cautious. late third round, that's a little bit more reasonable. But again, his ADP I believe is three hundred two, which is too rich for my blood. That's that's way too high because again, if you're taking him at the end of the second, early third, you're you got to wait so much longer to get another guy potentially. I I want to point out, um, like you said, the tough games on schedule. Something that was pointed out in a Reddit post from. The user I digs that feeling, and he was basically making the case against Marlon Mack again. They've got some tough opponents just in in the fact that they're facing tough run defenses, but also some good teams in general that will be able to keep up with the Colts throughout the season. So they won't the Colts won't have as much of a positive game script as they might have had this past year. Maybe their their defense this past year was phenomenal way exceeded expectations so maybe they take a step back and just aren't nearly as good i don't again i don't put a lot of stock into strength of schedule but it's just something to keep in mind yeah we'll have to see and i'll actually like go back and maybe watch some of the film on mac get some self-confirmation bias going and (laughs) we'll, we'll see where i'm at uh in August when I actually have to draft. So let's move on to another guy. Uh, so we went deep on Marlon Max. There are any guys on your uh, list here that you want to dive, or dive deeper on? So a guy that is on a new team that has consistently been a running back one over the past five seasons, I have a lot of buyer beware about, and that's Mark Ingram. I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> for what it's worth. I and and maybe I'm as a player, as a player. I, I want to hear about this situation though. So I, I wrote an article about this uh, a little over a month ago, and obviously I think one of the biggest marks against him again is the fact that he's going to a new team. And, no pun intended. And it's the Ravens backfield where strategy is often choose the guy who you don't know in the Ravens backfield because someone like sure. us Edwards or Alex Collins or prior is just going to come out of nowhere. Now, I think Mark, Mark Ingram is good enough to hold off some of these guys, but typically, again, a running quarterback should help Mark Ingram's running efficiency, but I think that just takes away from his opportunity. Drew Brees was literally zero threat to do that each year. And now he's got to compete with that. I don't know that Lamar Jackson's going to target Mark Ingram in the passing game nearly as much as Drew Brees did. And Brees was one of the best at doing that. And his receiving ability was one of the big parts of his value. The fact that the Saints could put Ingram or Kamara on the field at any point and they could be running it, they could be passing it. Defenses didn't know. So I, I just think... Again, if if you if you draft him, it's I, I would more lean towards wanting him in a, a standard scoring league because I don't I just don't think just because you gonna, don't know Lamar Jackson's going to throw to him. I don't think he's going to that much. He, I think Lamar Jackson again, is that is that based if, on like the Ravens' offense last year and like how often they threw to running backs. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but if you think logically, Lamar Jackson, it's his second year, so he's learning a little bit more about the offense, is getting a little bit more comfortable. But if if he sees a play break down, his first option is going to be to run. It's not going to be to look yeah. for the dump-off pass to Mark Ingram. I think, again, his first inclination will be to run. He might you know, pass it to him a couple times a game, but I certainly don't think it will be to the level of when he was in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, like like I mentioned earlier, like I'm a big fan of him because of that dual threat ability. And so, you know, I know they're bringing in a new offense in Baltimore that Lamar Jackson's learning. It's probably just an iteration off of what they did last season. That could be a reason to like him or a reason to be like, oh, well, he has to relearn everything. But if you're looking at uh, offense with a running quarterback, Mark Ingram's a dual threat. They could be doing some like fake option runs like like screen passes to Mark Ingram yeah. he has the ability unlike Marlon Mack to catch the ball and run with it down the field so I think that for me I'd be confident in him as an RB2 especially or even as an RB1 if you're going that like wide receiver heavy route because you know he can handle the workload he can get you those like 20 plus point games and maybe the offense is just trash for it, but like if you're going to avoid Mark Ingram, I would also be avoiding Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that I don't know. That's tough because it's, again, a completely separate position. I, it's not that I it's don't... It's like an entirely different conversation. Too, yeah, I mean, it, it, we, we kind of talked it. about Jackson in our quarterbacks episode. Right, but. and it's not that I don't believe in the offense. I think there can be some players with standout value, but... Mark Ingram is not one of those guys that I want to be targeting because there's a ton of evidence that says when running backs join new teams, they don't perform well for whatever reason. We haven't even mentioned the fact that he's 30 years old and is, again, reaching that proverbial hill that he might fall off a cliff on. So I don't yeah. know. I just think there's, while he hasn't had a good track record of success, there's a lot more working against him this season than there were in the past. So why don't we close out on Mark Ingram and, and move on to a guy that you want to avoid who is also joining a new team this year. Yeah, I, I really do have a, I almost, I want to put this into a twofer because um, I do want to get into these guys who want to avoid. Uh, obviously we'll dive deeper into the running backs on new teams. So, you know, everyone, um, that has a similar situation to Mark Ingram. The last thing I was going to say there, if you believe Sam and avoided Mark Ingram, Justice Hill would probably be the best guy to target in terms of value. Um, so yeah, jumping into my two for avoid here, and, and this is me leaning more towards like just the wide receiver position in the early rounds. I've got Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson listed here. Early round picks will have to be invested in these guys. And you can say, you know, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson may or may not win you your league, but they sure as fuck can lose you your league this season if they fall flat. You're investing a first round pick in them. You you have to see that consistent level of production. I can give some examples of bad beats that I've had with first round picks in the past to prove this. Long time ago. Monte Ball, I drafted him in the first round. I had, in my early picks in 2016, I went Adrian Peterson, Brandon Marshall, Randall Cobb. Probably the worst three picks that you could make at the beginning of a draft. And that just torpedoed my entire season. I was treading water the rest of the time. So 
uh, obviously like your past experiences are kind of going to inform your decision making in the future. And so that's where I see that there are with these two guys, one, David Johnson being in entirely new offense. We don't know what air raid is going to look like in the NFL. And then Le'Veon Bell being on a new team, like you said, running backs with new teams aren't always as successful. And also, you know, just being a year off could be a rest versus rust situation. There are known unknowns at this point in the year. So I would not be over investing in these floors that can drop out. And so that is, that, that's just where I stand on it. Uh, and I think that it's much wiser to invest in a, a known commodity at wide receiver at this point in the draft. Yeah, I'm with you on Le'Veon Bell. Again, there's just so many different factors. The fact that he took a year off. I mean, you mentioned him all, the new team, all that sort of stuff. And you want to hope that he can get back to his prior success because he was one of the funnest guys to watch on Sundays. Just the way he ran, I thought, was He's awesome. So he, <laughs> yeah, he, he, is, he is very patient and you're not going to be able to be patient if, if you want him, but I totally disagree nice. on David Johnson. I am, I've got him as my fifth ranked running back ahead of Melvin Gordon and everyone except the top four running backs that you mentioned earlier. Again, fantasy players love the unknown typically. I mean, they, they don't typically, they don't want to take the Lamar Millers, the True. Alshon Jeffries, the True. guys who have, just sort of been around that have consistently performed. They want the guys with exciting opportunities to break out. And I think, again, if David Johnson's floor is the 10th running back or 9th running back, which is what he was last year, and Good he's point. gotten a potential offense that could be much more explosive than mm-hmm. the dumpster fire that they <laughs> had last year, Yeah, I... I'm really excited for him and think he can get closer to his 2016 form when he had 20 touchdowns as opposed to what he did this past year. Yeah, I mean, and if you're listening to this and you already believe in the Cliff Kingsbury hype, you're already sold and you think that I'm an idiot and saying to avoid him. So we can can just move on (laughs) from that. Uh, I'm just thinking of the risk in the early rounds and that's, that's what I wanted to bring to our listeners' attention. So... I think we've got just a couple more quick uh, players that we wanted to cover, and I'll let you cover on a guy we mentioned earlier, Sam. Yeah, so Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, when he got the sort of starting job last year after Deontay, Devontae, Deontay, Devontae Freeman went down, I I don't know, watching him, it just didn't look like he played that well he wasn't doing nearly as well I don't think as fantasy owners were expecting him to play but he did record career highs in yards per carry with 4.8 and rushing yards across a career high 167 carries in 2018 so I think he's he can be built for that like we're saying bell cow bell cow role and again, because the draft capital is so low, I'm I'm fine taking him at an RB3 value that could potentially turn into mid RB2 or high end RB2 value by the end of the season. I I think he's the clear cut and it <laughs> being a bit of a hypocrite because he is joining a new team, but it 
you have to mention the fact that it's Kyle Shanahan. Yes, it's, yes, yes, yes. It's, I love it's Kyle his Shanahan. guy. I mean, the 49ers do so much with their running backs. They they run from 12 personnel or two running back sets the most of any team. And I just think even if he's sharing snaps, I think he's going to be out there on the field more often than not. Yeah, I, I really like him, especially in that zero RB strategy as being the first guy you take because I think he has even bigger upside than that in the right game. If you saw, you know, Devontae Freeman on Kyle Shanahan's offense, that's where he broke out. So that is a good thing to point out is like, yes, it's a new team, but it's not necessarily a completely new offense for him. So he's just got to gel with the offensive line. And I I think that, that he can make things happen there. Now, I've got one more guy we want to cover. This is another avoid. And this might be another situation where people who know more about the statistics are just going to ignore me right away but this is because this is pretty much you know just based on feel for me uh i want to avoid sony michelle and it's for just a couple different reasons you can call it reactionary but we know he had injury issues last off season once he was healthy on the field he was great and we know that you know i saw a tweet earlier today like i don't get it he broke records in the playoffs this uh this last postseason allegedly and so he's running great in the postseason. Why should we worry about him now? Well, he's away from the OTAs earlier uh, this summer. And so there's some concern there in terms of his, you know, the ability to stay on the field. A lot of people say the best ability is availability. And the other thing to think about, like not only did they draft Damian Harris, but just the way the Patriots handle their running back situation is they're going to go with the hot hand even more so than the Ravens offense, in my opinion. I think the Patriots running backs are always harder to figure out. You've got fucking James Devlin vulturing (laughs) touchdowns like he's Mike Tolbert on this offense. And so that is going to cause you a lot of headaches where you kind of are just obligated to start them and you might get bit in the ass a couple of times or more often than not, potentially, with the injury situation if you invest in him and then are felt like you have to start him every week, but he doesn't produce as much as what his draft capital capital is. Yeah, I mean, again, you mentioned the two biggest knocks against him are the injury history and the lack of catches. I think James White is clearly in that role. He thinks Sony Michelle had seven catches last year, which is abysmal. So Worse than Marlon Mack, right? <laughs> that has much be. worse than Marlon Mack. That said, his ADP has been slowly falling, and if he falls far enough, he can be a value because, again, he had so many touchdowns. If he can be your third running back and be your flex option, he could score, he could get 100 yards and two touchdowns in any given week. I am sure of that. Now, that's true. Again, because, and again, because he's your flex, you have a, a little bit more flexibility in who you're throwing in there. So if he is injured, I I just think if the draft capital gets to a point where he's in the fifth, maybe sixth round, and I don't don't expect it to fall that much, but if he does, there could be a lot of players in your league that are worried about his injury history, then you've got a value on a guy who, on an offense that, again, is gonna be fantastic this year and is the, I think, leading leader 
as far as carries on the Patriots this year? Yeah, so just looking at Fantasy Pros right now, just to get a gauge of where he is currently, at least in the rankings, well, an average draft position has him as the 21st running back off the board. So within that context, he's close to that like mid to late fourth round all the way to early mid fifth round. Where in that range are you comfortable taking him? Like, because if he's your flex, then you're like hard and fast, gotta be a fifth round guy. Yeah, I I think in the fifth round, late fifth round or early sixth round is where I'd be most comfortable taking him. But I think, again, I, I don't want him as a zero RB candidate because of the potential injury risk and the fact that if my running back one goes down with an injury in week two, then you're kind of screwed from the get-go. Yeah, totally agree with that. I, I have a note here. Do not want him in the first four rounds. So that's where I'm specifically avoiding him. But I do like Sam's point that if he keeps dropping because of all of this injury concern, there's a, a plenty of reason for him to be able to come back, be healthy, and win you some games during the season, even if he disappoints you other weeks. Um, so I think that's all we got for this week. We're going to dive into more running backs throughout the offseason and obviously during the regular season. Um, but we want to keep the uh, time on these episodes tight. So that is all that we have for today. Our Twitter is at PodAfterTD if you want to sound off and provide your own opinions to us on these players. Our personal Twitters, if you want to get personal, is at Andrew Mackins and at Sam Hoppin, just our names. So we'll be sharing that along with uh, the episodes on our Twitter. And, you know, we've got one more episode to record before we release this whole pack. So we're pretty excited to get this out to you guys in July, even though you won't hear this until their episodes are already out. So we'll see you guys soon. And the kick is good. There's, we see the, the buckets. Now there's a third bucket this week. I think what happened, there's always been, yeah, there's always been like a mother and father. Like, this is a father bucket, this is a mother bucket, and since the last game, they had a baby bucket. So this is a baby bucket. So they got three now. There's always been two. One's going to go to Parcell, one's going to go to another assistant, and one will go to a player later in the game.